Magazine list. <coughs> okay. Yeah, he's a big supporter. So, um, let's go. So, uh, what would happen if you would walk into Avram's tent? What would you hear? What message would Avram say? What was it, what Avram tell you? So the Rebbe gives us a a glimpse into Avram's tent. What happens when you walk into Avram's tent? So far, what we learned is that Avram would tell you with great chayas and great emes, the emes of Avram Avinu, the chayas of Avram Avinu, his life with his truth, he would tell you how the Abishter takes care of every creature and even those who were not that uh, intellectual to understand the words he said, they were taken by the life and truth of his words. And overall, though, Avram explained things in such a clear way that everyone could understand them. And uh, people came out of his tent knowing and understanding that there is a Bishter. So what would he tell them? What were, what were his explanations? So the Rebbe actually says, this is what Avram would tell him. And this is a a big chiddush, because you're not going to find in any other sefer besides chiddush the words that Avram used in the tent. Like, where, where, where are you going to find that? But that's, but that's exactly what the Rebbe says. This is what Avram would, would tell them. One of the things he would tell them was chapter two in Shayichem Emuna. Chapter two we started on yesterday is where the author says that there has to be a constant force in everything in the world making it exist and making it alive, because creation works differently than uh, forming something that already exists. And when you try to form a cup out of a mass of metal or out of a mass of wood, you're just changing the form. But to create something out of nothing, that requires a constant force to keep it in existence. So not only is there a constant force of Hashem that keeps everything in existence every, every moment, but the Abish also has to measure how much energy he's giving each creature, because each creature needs a different kind of energy, and although Hashem is constantly creating it, the created being does not understand and feel its divine origin. It doesn't feel its divine source. That's why we're calling it Ayin. Ayin doesn't mean non-existent. Ayin means it's not understood and felt by the created being. So it's, it's a little bit ironic that the created being says it to its source, you are Ayin. Ayin literally means nothing, because if its source is nothing, it certainly is nothing. How could it exist? But it calls its source nothing because of a different, different kind of existence. I gave an example yesterday. When you decide to give someone a hug, so when does a, does a hug begin? Spiritually, the hug began in your mind, but from the other person's perspective, in their physical reality, the hug didn't start yet. So too, the divine origin of, let's say, this table is, exists in a higher plane. But from our perspective, it doesn't exist at all. It's totally something out of nothing because it's not in the physical reality. It's called something out of nothing. It's not nothing. It's something... It's something out of something spiritual. But we're calling it something out of nothing because it's a, to- it's a total quantum leap from the spiritual to the physical. That's what we've basically learned so far. That's the first thing that you will learn out from stent, is the divine origin of everything. It's a constant force. The divine energy is hidden from our eyes. That, that, that's that's your uh, first thing you would hear. But Avon would continue. Let's, let's go on page 14. And let's go from the top. The presence of the godly energy in the created reality has to be at all times. It has to constantly be there. You should, right? I'm very rarely talking to Yidin about this. This is 
exactly what I'm talking to almost every single <laughs> Goyesha client that I have, whether it's a business, the entire wow. business meeting yeah, is yeah. all just talking to this. Yeah. And then the next step is, and that's why you can't get angry, and that's why you don't get frustrated, and that's why you realize everything's for the good, because if Hashem is good and He's creating everything from nothing, then there leaves no room for anything else. Wow. <laughs> wow, you are really a child of Avraham. And there has to be a measurement so that the created reality could receive the godly energy. And the image, although the ayin has to always be present in the yesh, the godly energy has to always be in, in the physical reality. However, the way the ayin is present in the yesh is in a way that it's concealed. So in Helam, it has to have a This is the concealment of the creator from the created being. There has to, there has to be. And although the Creator is so hidden from the creation that the creation does not recognize it, the the created reality, has no understanding in the Ayin that's creating him and giving him life. And that's why the created reality calls the Gali energy, you are Ayin. What's the Ayin mean? The Ayin Pirushi, Ayin Ve'efes, you are zero. You do not exist. The created person, the created thing, looks at the godly energy and says, you do not exist. Why? The ayin is the main thing. The ayin is the main source of life and existence. How can you say that ayin means it does not exist? Rather, what the meaning of ayin is, that it is not understood at all. It's not understood by us at all. It's not something that we understand. So it's as if it's ayin. It's as if it's ayin. It's as if it's non-existent. It's not in the same plane of existence as us. It's a non-understood existence. And despite the great concealment on this godly energy, so that the created reality has no understanding of it at all, despite that concealment element, don't think that the ayin can depart for a moment. Rather, it has to be, always be there. But the way it's there is with a measurement. There's a certain amount of ayin that, that each creature could take. There's two ways that every creature would stop to exist. One way that each, every creature could stop to exist is if Hashem removes the godly light. That's one way that every creature would stop to exist. Another way is if Hashem would show each creature the godly light. The godly either you get too much of that stuff or you get too or you get not enough of it. This stuff that exists mean like literally like pass away or so he's making it sound like you as never existed to begin with. Because it never existed to begin with. Back to the future. There has to be a certain measurement. And the measurement of how much ayin there is in the yesh, there is a godly measurement here. The whole concept of creation of something out of ayin, out of something spiritual, those whole, this whole transfer of energy from the spiritual to the physical is only something which is in the bosom of the Creator. It's only something, something that God could do. 
So God measures each creature, how much each creature could take, and gives each creature its godly force, and it constantly has to be renewing each creature every moment, or it will not exist. Okay, so this is the first cheer you have in Avram Venus tent. I don't know how Avram would do it if he would first serve you the fish, and gave you the chicken soup, and then he would go over with a second explanation after the entree. I'm sorry, one thing. Okay, if you took away the ayin, you're gone. And the second one was... If there's too much, if the revelation oh, of the ayin, if okay. you saw the ayin. Okay, Ayizal. So this is the first shir, Gernavim Minus 10. Now there's the second shir. There's something else that Avinu would explain to them. You know, you said is actually... Um, a, a real takeaway from the Mimer. You know, if this is what Avram is going to tell every non-Jew who came to his tent, you know, this is this is what, the, what, what what's expected of us. We're children of Avram. So what else did Avram going to tell those people? He told them like this: Whatever God made in the world, who Tam is always in the domain of Hashem. Whatever Hashem created, it's always in His jurisdiction. The only thing is, Hashem gave free will to a person to choose whatever he wants. As it says in the Pasuk, Hashem says to each person, Look, I've given before you life and goodness, death and evil. And you could choose whatever you want. Choose which path you want. It's only because God, the nature of God is to be good. God's nature is good, and the nature of anyone who is good is to do good. So because Hashem is good, and in the nature of someone who is good is to do good, therefore, therefore God put into a human being's uh, psyche the nature and the understanding and the knowledge to understand that life is good and death is bad. He, t- he just could have let us just choose whichever one you want, and we wouldn't know which one was better. But the Abishter also put into human psyche to know that life is good and death is bad. Well, it seems like he did do that. He did. With Naga's generation. Well, he didn't really show that good was good. As only Abraham came and had to release this to the world and change what was the knowing up until then. Uh, it, it's a, the Abishter does say in Bracious the, the, the heart of man is bad from its youth. And there is a certain Yetzirah uh, there, it's true. But it also seems from uh, that, that the people there were punished and they could have chosen good. And the Knech, the Knech chose good, good too. The Tshuva, yeah. Um, so it seemed like this, I mean, this is also a very big Chiddush that Rebbe is saying over here. That in, in other places, in Chassidus, in Rebbe's letters, Rebbe speaks about how People need the seven laws of Noah because they would they wouldn't naturally decide what's right and what's wrong, and they could easily uh, misinterpret what's right and what's wrong as the Nazis did, etc. And uh, so it seems like it's it's not so set in the psyche of a person. But here the Rebbe says that there is a knowledge in every person to know that life is good and death is evil. The choice is free. You could choose choose whatever you want. But besides for free will, every creature and everything that's created in the world, everything is in the the dominion of Hashem. That means, 
since everything's in the dominion, the dominion of Hashem, when Hashem gives a person abundance, there is an intent here. Everything is in God's jurisdiction. So if God gives someone abundance, it belongs to God. And God gives this to a person because he wants something to happen. And the Av would explain to them the concept of divine providence. That Hashem prepares the food and everything that's needed for every one of his creatures, blessed be he, without distinction. Whether we're talking about the larger creatures in the hosts of heaven, like the sun, and similar creatures, or we're talking about the lowest kind of creature in the hosts of earth, like a worm that's crawling in the desert. Every creature, whether it's the sun or it's the, a worm crawling in the desert, God gives each creature what it needs. Then I would explain to them, you should know godliness is something that you can know and something you can understand. Avon would tell them, hello, my friends, you should know the Abish is something you can understand. And there are different levels within this understanding, different concepts and different people which are able to understand different amounts of each concept. There are some concepts of godliness that are beyond human understanding. As a Pasuk says, if you try to understand Hashem, can you find, can you discover? You can't. Hashem is beyond understanding. There are some godly concepts that are beyond understanding. As much as a person may try with his mind to understand them, he will not be able to understand, at least the closing of Because there are some concepts in godliness that are beyond what a human mind can get. You could stand in your head, you're never going to understand it. Only if a person is diligent in using great effort to understand for many years, trying to understand these concepts, and he's purified his mind, and his mind has been elevated to a certain, to certain height, then he'll be able to have some kind of intellectual estimation in the wondrous concepts that are beyond logic. So if you really work hard for many years, and you've elevated your mind, you've purified your mind, you'll have some kind of picture in those things which are beyond logic. And there are some concepts in godliness that a person can understand them very well, and to delve deeply into them. Not only can you understand them, Avamanus tells them, hey, you know, there's some things that I'm going to explain to you, and you'll understand them so well, you'll be able to go back home and tell this to other people. You should also know, Avram says, there's not everyone that understands things the same way. Some people like to delve deeply in certain concepts, and some people don't have that gift the intellectual gift to understand things that well. And, uh, and although they are unable to understand, to understand it well, but if you explain it to them, although they, they won't understand it well, well, they'll admit that this, this is true. There are some people, in other words, there are some people that you could talk to, their minds aren't that great, they won't understand it that well, but you could explain it to, in a way, in the, to them in a way that they'll admit this is true, although they won't understand it properly. 
the chosim of vur v'masha amalem v'chimishliyachaltem. This is all included in Avram Avinu's statement to them that the Medish brings. We could all derive this is all, all derived from what the Medish t- says that Avram Avinu told them when after they ate their meal he said v'chimishliyachaltem v'shalakayel el machaltem. Did you eat what belongs to me? You ate what belongs to Hashem. He explained to them godliness how Hashem creates the world. And the way Hashem created the world was with the spirit of His breath, and He pays attention to, and He take, takes care of His world. Okay. So in Avram Avinu's second uh, shir, the entree shir of Avram Avinu, he tells them number one that everything is in God's jurisdiction. Tells them a person has free will to choose whatever he wants. He also tells them about divine providence. A God created takes care of each creature. Okay. And then he starts telling them about godliness in general, how it's possible to understand godliness. It's possible to understand it. And he starts to, and he goes at length, explaining to them how there's different kinds of people, not everyone understands things the same way. But you guys are in my tent. I'm gonna explain this to you in a way that you understand it, be able to go back home and explain it to others. And there are some people you'll be able to talk to them about this and they'll get it right away. Some people, they won't understand it at all, but they'll admit that this is true. This, this is the way people work. I remember, I remember not just giving them a shir about godliness, giving them a shir about people. So, you know, this is, how, this is the way under godliness works. Not, and there are some things you'll never understand unless you work for years trying to understand what, 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 uh, what uh, certain, certain godly concepts of some picture of those things which are beyond human logic. Okay, then Avram Avinu would talk to them. So, so the concepts we're saying so far are divine providence, free will, from taking care of each creature, and how godliness could be understood. You could understand. You could have, not just you could believe in Hashem, but you could have a relationship to, in a, with Hashem in a way that's meaningful. Okay, continuing Avram Avinu's shir in the last line of the page, of page fourteen. Hashem is not like a minister or a king who controls his country. Elohu ke'olam. Avram Avinu said that you eat what belongs to me, you ate from what belongs to the God of the world. What? Tahasar v'amelech. What's the difference between God and a minister or a king? Next type of next page, fifteen. A king or a minister could only give his subjects things that will strengthen their life. He cannot give life. But the Abishter is the God of the world. The Abish gives life to his creatures. It gives each creature its food, its sustenance at their, its appointed time at when it needs to get it. That's what Avram Avinu meant when he said, Do you eat what belongs to me? You eat from what belongs to the God of the world. This is what God prepared for you by divine providence. Since this is what Hashem made for you, therefore you should praise and bless and thank the one by whose world word uh, the world came to be. Ramvin used three adjectives over here. Hoidu, acknowledge, Shivchu, praise, Baruchu, bless. Why three adjectives? Because Ramavinu was talking to different audiences. Some of his audiences were listening to Avram, they were just shaking their heads, they have no idea what he's saying. 
But he was so full of life and so full of warmth that they admitted this was true. They understood, you know, this is, this is the emiss. We don't know why this is the emiss. We don't know how this is the emiss. This guy certainly knows, thinks he knows what he's talking about. We don't know what he's saying. But we admit this is true. And there are those who really understood very well what Avraham said. Avraham Avinu said to those people, Praise Hashem. If someone is praising someone, they must have some understanding in the one they're praising. So Avraham Avinu told those who understood him better, praise the one who, by whose word the world came to be. And there were some people, not only were they able to understand what Avraham Avinu said very well, but they're able to also go out there and become chassidim of Avram Avinu and shluchim and explain it to other people. They walk back home and they're, and they're like, guys, hey, they're, I mean, we have news for you. We learned something. We're on their Eshkol Mamre. For example, Avram Avinu's friends, on their Eshkol Mamre, who not just heard from Avram, not just understood it from Avram, but they also shared this with others. Amr Hazal, Amr Rabbi Lazar, Damasek Eliezer. Eliezer is called Damasek. Eliezer, Eliezer from Damascus. What's Damascus mean? Says the Gemara's. Eliezer was able to draw and feed and to give from the teachings of his Rebbe, of Avram Aminu, to others. He was able to pour from the teachings of Avram onto others. Damascus, no? Serious. I thought he. What are you so that's why he's called a Mesha because he chased them to Damascus? Couple of reasons why it's called a message. You're right that the Mender says he was from Canaan. That's why he couldn't marry uh, Avram Avinu. Yeah. Um, what do you want to say? Three words. There's Hodu, Shivchu, Shivchu. Yeah, Ubarchu. Now. What's Shivchu mean? Shivchu means praise. Baruchu is bless. The Rebbe doesn't explain what bless. Oh, it actually does. Yeah. Better doesn't explain why it's the word Baruch Hu. Baruch Hu means the people were not only able to praise Hashem, they were also share it with other, others. I would only guess, based on other Imarim, that the word Baruch Hu means to draw down. So they were able to draw it down to others. But the Rebbe clearly over here is connecting Baruch Hu with those who were able not just to get and to understand Ramina's message, but they understood it so well, they were able to go back home and share it with others. That's the third category. And bless the one by whose word the world came to me. I guess so. Varchol means cause others to bless, uh, share share the message. Good, but the Rebbe is saying the word of Varchol doesn't mean that Avraham is blessing them, but they're able to share it with others. There is Haydu, the guys who just didn't understand what Avraham is saying. They're just like, okay, this is true. We acknowledge it's true. There's Shivchu, those people who praised Hashem. They understood it very well. And they were excited. They praised Hashem, and there is Varchol. The ones who actually went to their town and they shared this with others. Um, by the way, you know, a Ghana has to pay double. I'm going to give it to the. Uh, <laughs> so, so we. Distracting me. Keep looking up at it. 
Well, let us finish the paragraph. Okay, so, so getting back to the question we started the Mimer with, the main thing Avraham Avinu was doing was publicizing Galenus. He explained to them Galenus in a way that was relevant to them. They could understand it. So why was it important the way his method of doing The main thing is that he taught them something. That they knew something. Who cares if he did it through a, a restaurant or through a different method? The main thing is he transferred information to them that was meaningful. The Torah advises us and instructs us and commands us in many places to know Hashem. And if you listen to uh, Rabbi Manus Friedman and Rishay Taub's uh, Shir, it's good to know about uh, godliness and knowing it's not just to build enough to have a muna, but you have to also have to understand. So that Torah tells us in many places that not just enough to believe, you also have to know and to make Hashem has to be relevant to you. That's what Avraham Vinu did for all these people to visit his tent. But the statement of the Torah, he planted an Aisha, which we're translating to me, they made this, this restaurant slash hotel, it seems like that was also important, the method he did it with. And the question is, why is that important? The main thing is, you're supposed to know Hashem. That's, that's an important point. Why is the method uh, mentioned as, as something that seems to have intrinsic value, not just as a tool, but there's something intrinsically great about this Aisha? Go ahead. Because we wanted them to, to get to that level of Baruch, being able to give it over to someone else. And what's the way that to do it is to have them say a Baruch. And what is the Baruch on the Shina Baruch on the food? I hear you. I don't know. Let's see. Okay.